This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Hey, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to the New Testament today. Uh, I say this almost every Sunday, and it's because we have people that join us for the first time, and uh, not to sound repetitive, but the style of teaching here that we follow at Commission is an expository style of study usually, which involves us breaking down scripture verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We just wrapped up our series. What did we just wrap up? I, I made a mistake last week and I said First Thessalonians, but uh, what did we just wrap up? Habakkuk. We just wrapped up Habakkuk, and it was an amazing study of God just breaking our hearts down and teaching us uh, a powerful word. But before that, we did First Thessalonians and James and Philippians, and we just go book by book, verse by verse, and we love that form of study. But we take breaks in between to do some uh, standalone messages, as we call it, just to be in tune with what God has to speak to us in a certain season in our lives. And I believe that we're going through a certain season in our lives that God is elevating us and moving us and taking us from where we are into different levels. Um, and in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is kind of breaking it down for the disciples and talking about the end times. He's talking about what would happen, so on and so forth. And uh, follow with me in verse number 10 and I, as I read from the New King James Version. And usually I try to stick with the ESV or the NLT, as you know, and I'll do that throughout this message. But uh, I found the NKJV uh, to be a little more precise with the usage of language uh, as, um, as, as translated well from the Greek. So um, let me read it for you. Follow with me. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow on the screen. And this is what the Bible says. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. The many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Like I said, Jesus is speaking about the end times, and he's taking the disciples through a teaching of uh, what could happen inside the church and what could happen inside the body of Christ as we draw to the end times. And it's an undeniable truth that we as the church of Christ is living in the end times. Nobody in the Bible is very clear about that. Nobody, as a matter of fact, knows exactly when Jesus will return. But the bride of Christ, you and me, we will have to be always ready for the coming of the bridegroom in the skies. We talked about that last week while we had communion together as a church family. But Jesus is kind of breaking this down and taking them through this trajectory of events, uh, personal events and events in the church and events within the body of Christ that could be a good indication as to what would happen uh, leading to the uh, coming of Jesus Christ. So uh, this, this trajectory is very, very beautiful, as, as you put it, uh, sad but beautiful in, in saying, Jesus is saying, man, during the end times, many people are going to be offended. Offense is going to reign. There's going to be betrayal. There's, it's, it's one after the other. Offense will then lead to betrayal, and people will hate one another. There are going to be a lot of false prophets that rise up, and there's going to be lawlessness all around the place. The absence of law. Love will grow cold. Man, Jesus warns us and he gives us his warning just like he's giving to his disciples. It's a very relevant message for this day as well. I want to title my message, Dealing with Offense, this morning. Dealing with Offense. And the reason why this is important for this season 
is because we live in a time of offense. We have to deal with offense because of the road that will take us down on. And Jesus very descriptively puts it in this verse. And the road is very much described as offense leads to betrayal. The next pit stop is hating one another. False prophets are rising to captivate, to use this season of hate, as well as lawlessness that would abound, and love for one another that starts growing cold. In Romans chapter number 12, verse 17, in the NLT, the Bible reads, the Bible reads this way, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Man, we all are hurt people. We're all broken people. We're, we, we are all people that get offended, that uh, offend, uh, no matter how much we deny it or not. Uh, the, human, the human race in itself uh, is prone to offense very, very easy. And, and I pray that today we will walk this road together. There, it's something that we can learn from one another today as we go down this study this morning. I want to make a statement this morning. Offense is both a moment and an emotion. Offense is both a moment and an offense. And I'm going to break this down in just a second as we go into the word. You know, if somebody has ever experienced offense... It, it usually sets them up to a place where they, they become very defensive. Uh, you've probably been there in your life at some point or the other. If you've never been offended in your life, uh, I don't know where you've been hiding. I don't know what hole you've been uh, tucked away in or you're still in quarantine or you've ever been in quarantine, uh, always been in quarantine. But the people that have been offended have this tendency of going around with their walls high or in defense mechanism, in defense mode. They go around stiff-arming people. They, they live their lives distanced from people with their arm out and their cold shoulders out and showing. And, and you can see them, man. They're, they're always defensive. They're always, what's up? They're always with their fists up ready to fight, always ready to defend themselves. The problem with this is when we live in the defensive, we don't live for what God has for us in the present because they can't let go of what happened to them in the past. We live our every moment of the waking day in defense because of the offense that has been committed to us and because of our undeniable ability to be able to cross places that God wants us to be healed in or God, God, God told us man you need healing in this place and healing in this place and healing in this place and we keep denying it and because of that we, we, we arrive in places where we find it so difficult to get out of because of this conundrum of offense that we're in. The problem is so many people make a monument out of a moment of offense a lot of us are dealing with offense that we've, we've, we've encountered years and years ago because without your knowledge and my knowledge, we have this tendency as, as human beings, as Christians, to take that which was not meant to be offensive in the long run. We take a moment that we had to deal with, pray over, get over. We, we, we take that moment and we make that a monument for years and years to come. From a moment of hurt, you live in an emotion of trauma. 
See, mentally, you can't justify it. Mentally, if you think about it, you're like, oh man, why am I doing that? I, this, this is probably something that I shouldn't be doing. But emotionally, you know what you feel inside. You know what you're feeling inside. No one else is feeling. Some of y'all are probably sitting there and saying, Pastor Ashish, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what I've been through in the past, and you have no idea what I went through yesterday. You have no idea what that person did to me, or what my spouse did to me, or what my father did to me when I was growing up. You have no idea of that offense that I went through. <clears throat> For so many of us, it's like this. I know better, but I can't change what I'm feeling inside. I know what the Word tells me. And I know what is right to do and what is wrong, but I can't help it because this is what I'm feeling. And, and actually the Bible attests to that. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 10, the Bible says, each heart knows its own bitterness. I can't come up to you and say what you're feeling is less bitter or you should get over or this or that or downplay the bitterness you're going through because each heart knows the pain that you went through. No one like, knows you like you. No one knows the pain that you're going through like, like, like you know the pain that you're going through. And that's why when you open up to the wrong people in your life, you know, they, go to, they come up to you and say, oh, get over it. Or they give you cliches like, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> and you're like, okay, thank you, Jesus. You know, you're like, okay, I... I, I if, I wish I could, like I would if I could, I wish it was that easy, right? For so many of us that are going through pain and for so many of us that are going through moments of pain and despair and for many of us that are going through issues in our life, we, we're often downplayed or we're often snubbed by people that are on a high horse that say, hey, it's, it's not okay to do what you're, you're going through. It's not okay to go through what you're going through. You, you have to be right or you have to be okay. You have to be perfect at all times. See, but that's contrary to the message of the cross because the message of the gospel is healing. It's process. It's, it's from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from grace to grace. That's the message of the gospel. See, mentally, I want to get over it, but emotionally, I know that the bitterness is in my heart. Only I know. You don't know what I'm going through. Only I know the bitterness in my heart. Can I make a bold statement today? Are you, are you okay with that? I'm going to make a bold statement. It's going to raise some eyebrows, but at least I'm going to get your attention, okay? Here's the bold statement. As a Christian, you may have a reason to be offended, but we shouldn't bear the right to be offended. There is a difference between a reason to be offended and the right to be offended. Why? Because offense hurts me, not you. Because I will hurt myself and the people that are closest to me. I don't hurt the offender. When I'm offended, what happens is I go around hurting everybody around me. I bleed on people that never cut me. I will wound people that never wounded me. That's the problem with offense. See, I have to see offense as an enemy to myself, my family, my relationship. There was a study conducted not too long ago, and, and, and it, the study basically said this. The mentally healthiest people are the ones that go to church every week. This is where you got to say, woo, come on. Some of you are like, no, no, not from my experience, Pastor Asher. And that stat's pretty cool and pretty good considering the fact that I'm all jacked up. 
know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a jacked up person. And, and for, for the staff to say that the mentally healthy people are the ones that go to church, I'm like, man, I'm a church. I haven't missed a lot of Sundays. Like, I'm here. I'm, I go to church. So imagine what it would be without church. Imagine what a lot of us would be. Like, imagine what our families, what our marriages would be. But the Bible is very clear when Jesus says, man, in the end times, people are going to be easily offended. I want to leave a couple of things with you. The first thing I want to leave with you is this, what Jesus is saying is offense is a trap. Someone say offense is a trap. Look at the person sitting next to you and say offense is a trap. Some of you are barely looking at your wives. That's like the first time you talk to them in the whole week. <laughs> it took a lot out of you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Focus, Ashish. Okay. Jesus said, many will be offended. And the word used over there is this word in Greek that says scandalon, scandalon, okay? Or it comes from the word, the English word scandalous or scandal. Can I break it down for you? It means living in a constant or a consistent state of offense. That's where you go. Come on. Preach, Pastor. Thank you. Because isn't that our culture? Isn't that 2021 in a nutshell? Scandal on. Everybody is offended all the time. Outrage mobs, cancel culture, crazy Karens, and constant bickering and fighting on social media. Man, when will it stop, right? It's crazy. We're living in crazy times. Like, don't you remember there was a time where, man, we would listen to something on TV or we would read about something and we probably would like talk to a best friend about it. Like we'd call him like, hey, bro, did you, did you actually read this? Like, did you, did you watch this on TV? Or you go to your spouse and be like, can you believe this happened? Now things have changed. The first thing you do is what? Go where? Twitter and Facebook and you let the whole world and their mama know what's on your mind. And guess what? Two people that you don't know, two people that you don't like, two people that don't even like you, two people that don't even know you personally, people that don't love you, not just like love you, will be sure to come there and comment and share and cause drama and stir up a controversy. Because that's the time that we're living in. That's the, the and, and we post it and, and there's no filter and, and all these people like and, and comment. And, and how did this even happen? Like, how are we now posting to a group of people? Like, how are we even Facebook friends? That, that's my question at the end of the day. Like, how did you end up commenting on, like, who are you? Like I'm arguing with someone who I don't know, who I don't love, and I'm engaging with someone I don't have any business engaging with in the hope that I will change their mind. All in the name of free speech. We live in a free country. America, America. I'm like, Christian, some of us, we, we just need to calm down. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Come on, somebody. There is no conditions applied to that. There is no but free speech to that. We're lacking in that. Can I encourage you for a moment? Have an informed opinion in life. I'm not saying don't have an informed opinion. Have, not, not opinion, just informed opinion. Don't just have an opinion. Everybody has opinions. Beyond feeling, beyond emotion, beyond that, the important thing is to know when to share that opinion. Not just to have opinion. 
have an informed opinion. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't comment. Can we agree to that? Come on. Can, can, can we be the body of Christ and say, hey, if I don't know what they're talking about, let's not just go and itch to say something for the sake of saying something. I'm stepping on some toes. There are no amens, no preach, pastor. Preach. Come on, somebody. See, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a very opinionated person. I blame it on my crazy childhood. Okay, don't judge me. But here's what I've come to realize. My opinions don't necessarily build the body of Christ. See, as a, not just as a pastor, not just as a minister of the gospel, all right? But here's the thing, as a Christian, I always got to stand by. I am a witness every place that I go to. Come on, somebody. I cannot have a fish sticker at the back of my car or I love Jesus sticker at the, at the back of my car and going on flicking people in the road and going cussing people in the road and doing things that, am I talking to somebody? Like I've seen Christians, I, I, I could probably say some people are commissioned and not commissioned, but I've seen people driving on the road sometimes. I've seen y'all, y'all. But remember, your actions and your opinions don't always build the body of Christ. And am I asking myself what I'm saying, what I'm doing? Is it edifying the body? Is it building the kingdom of God? Is it building the body? Is it, is it making somebody better? Is, is, am I making somebody meet Jesus through the opinions that I share, through the things that I say, through the things that I do? Because here's the thing that I've decided, right? I don't post so much on social media anymore. I don't, I don't like getting into controversial stuff because this, I don't have the, the, the emotional, the mental capacity to throw down on Twitter and throw down on Facebook and throw down on the gram and then be a husband, a good father, a good pastor that I want, I just don't, I'm not built for that. I don't know how some of y'all do it. Thank you, Justina. Matthew 24 and verse 10. Jesus continues and he says, they will betray one another and will hate one another. You know what counselors call it? Counselors call it an, an addiction to outrage. Who loves being addicted to outrage, right? They call it because you get high off the outrage. Some of us thrive of it right? We thrive of drama. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all thrive of drama? Okay, good, good. Thank you, G. I don't, I don't have to spend a lot of time in prayer tonight after church. Thank you, Jesus. We have a good church. Some people thrive off drama, though. Like, anytime you have a conversation with them, they're always stirring stuff up. They're always studying stuff. Have you heard? No, I haven't. I, I don't want to hear. I don't need to know. Want to start drama everywhere. This addiction has this ability to tell you that what you're addicted to is good for you. And anyone that disagrees with you is bad, is horrible, is from the devil, Diablo. Because here's the thing. People who wish to be offended will always find some occasion, something that was said to get offended. They make an offense out of everything. And I'm praying that us as the body of Christ will not be susceptible. We will not give in to that, that temptation of the enemy to breed and grow Christians that hate one another, bicker on one another because we are finding everything and anything to disagree upon. You don't wear a mask? I wear a mask. I don't like you. You're not a Christian. You're not vaccinated? I'm vaccinated. Well, we can't be Christians at the same time. 
Am I talking to somebody here? This place got awfully quiet. You're Republican. I'm Democrat. We can't. Like, like, and the people that are in between are like, where do we fall? Like, I, I have no. And, and this, this constant bickering of, of saying, you are that, and, and I am this, and I am here, and you are that. But, but, the, but look at the life of Jesus. Jesus doesn't get offended. How does Jesus respond in a situation like this? You remember that moment when, when Thomas comes up and says, man, the, the, all the disciples, we saw Jesus, Jesus is risen from the dead. And doubting Thomas, right, says, oh, I don't know about that. I, I, I have to see Jesus, right? He, I mean, Jesus could have been offended at that moment, but Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up right in front of Thomas. He says, here are my hands. Touch my hands. I know what you have said. What you just said challenged my authority and challenged my godness and, and, and challenged who I am and who have been telling you I am and all of that. He had all the reason to be offended, but Jesus shows up right in front of him and says, go ahead, Thomas. You doubt? Touch. Can I make a statement here? Your offense will either become walls of offense or windows of revelation, depending on how you respond. He says, touch. You will know who I am. Use your offense as a medium for somebody to see the revealed Christ. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Use your offense as a place of forgiveness and healing. Use your offense as a situation where you can jump in and say, this is a moment for me to introduce somebody to Jesus. And if one person, if one doubting Thomas touches your offense and touches your heart and touches your pain and they meet the risen Jesus your work is done when you go up there on that day of judgment. When, when, when Jesus looks at you, how many of you are going to be like, well done? How many of you are waiting to hear those words? Well done, my good and faithful servant. See, offense is a moment. Offended is a choice. It's a decision that you make. We can't stop offense from happening but we have a control over offended. Am I talking to somebody today? And that's in your marriage. That's in your relationships with your friends, your family members. For a lot of us, man, enemy tries to destroy families. It could be parents. It could be parental relationships. It could be, you know, relationships across the board. It could be vertical ones, whatever the relationships are. Offense plays a big role in every single thing. See, here's the thing. Many will be offended. That's what Jesus says. Many will be offended. But the word over there is not just offended, but they will live in offense. Scandalous. They will live in offense. That word scandalous and scandalon is the word that comes from the meaning trap or abate. John Bevere writes this amazing book called The Bait and Satan. It's, it's years old. It's many, many years old. But he talks about how many will be trapped and stuck in on the bait. He says that offenses will keep you trapped in a season of trauma. And that's what causes you, even though you're living in 2021, man, you, you're trapped in a season of trauma from 2004 because of scandalous. Scandal on, sorry. Haven't you been there in our daily conversations with people? You said this, I'm offended. And they're like, no, I didn't. I said this. And they go, oh, darn. My bad. 
And then, and then there's this justification. I know what you said, but I know what you meant. There's this never-ending cycle of miscommunication and this never-ending cycle of mistrust that keeps going on and on and on where the enemy is like, man, if you get offended, I'm going to make people hate you. I'm going to do this and this and this. And verse 11, he comes to it and he says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Okay, now here's what I got to pause. Because every time we hear false prophets, we're thinking about prophecy and the prophets that come and say, you, God is telling me this about you. And it's always from a stage or with the prophet Habakkuk or the prophet Jeremiah. We, we think about all this in prophets. But my question to each one of us today is, who is your prophet? Because Jesus talks about it and says, beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing. Do you know? That every single day in your lives, you have prophets that you willfully allow to speak over your lives. A lot of toxic people that go around, bah, bah. Come on, am I talking? I don't know if that sounded like a sheep or not, but I did my best impression. They sound so innocent. They look so, they're like, oh man, I think they have the best intentions in mind. And you get closer to them and they're like, and you see that canine sticking out, and you're like, ah. You're like, wait, I thought you just bayed at me, but, but you look different, and, and Jesus is warning us of those people. People who act like believers, but they're so toxic. They're these ravenous wolves that, that, that hide behind sheep's clothing, and the closer you get to them, you see their true colors, but you've let them in too far, and you're like, oh, Lord, why didn't I see this coming? And Jesus is like, read my word sometimes. Oh, Jesus, why did you bring them into my life? They looked all good. I warned you. Sometimes you got to dust that Bible off. You got to read it. It's called discernment. <laughs> Thank you for the three people that are along with me in this message. Because here's the thing. Jesus is warning us, man. The second point I want to leave with you is this. Check your circle. Check your circle. Check the people that you're around. Check the people that you willfully expose yourself to. Because if you're not careful enough, we will fall into that trap. Scandal on that trap. Because here's the thing. Like attracts like. Does that make sense? Like wounded attracts wounded. Because we're human. We have this tendency to find those who justify our dysfunction. Come on. Someone say preach pastor. Come on. Yeah, yeah, we, we kind of have this tendency to stick to people that kind of jive with you, that, that have the same feels as you. They're, they're like, okay, come on, come on. Just like I'm asking you to agree with me and say, preach, pastor, preach. We have like attracts like, right? You have those people that you can go up to and, and share your pain and share your, 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 your hurts with. And they're like, oh man, it's okay to feel that way. They're wrong. You're right. They justify you. They, they validate you. They give you credit. Oh, girl, he did you wrong. Sure did. You get on that phone right now. You open your text message right now. You respond right now. Oh, bro, she said that? Mm-mm. How many of you men call your mama when you fight with your wives? It's so quiet in this place. You have a disagreement with your wife and the first person you call is your mom. And she's like, 
I told you not to marry her. You don't need that woman in your life. Leave her right now. Told you. Your mama is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm sorry, but I just said that. Some of you husbands need to stop calling your mama and go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need help with my marriage. Somebody clap, y'all. Please come back next week. Pick your circle wisely. Pick your prophets wisely. Choose the people wisely that speak over your life. There are different circles. You know that, right? There are different circles in your life. It's not like you have to sit back and, and you're like, oh, I don't want to surround myself with certain people. No, discernment is what is important. Don't allow anyone and everyone to lay their hands on you and prophesy over your souls. And when I say that, I don't mean literally at church. How is it that so many of us do not allow to get prayed over by church, but are so easily influenced by people when you walk out of church? I'm throwing darts this morning, y'all. Surround yourself with godly, healthy community. We're not all perfect. Commission Church is far from perfect. All right, we're, we're far from perfect, but find someone who will lead you forward, not take you backwards. Life groups, we're, we're launching life groups here. It's a perfect opportunity for us to be held in accountability, to be held in community, to hold each other up, uh, to, to, to lift each other up, to support one another, to push each other forward. We're not perfect, but we're all getting better. We're never going to be perfect, but we're getting to where Christ wants us to be. What does that mean, pastor? Should we not just hang out with people that are broken? See, I'm not talking about being self-righteous. I'm broken. Everybody's broken around us. I'm not talking about self-righteous. We have a lot of people like that in church. Sorry, I can't hang out with you. We're not on the same level anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like God's taking me to another level. Stop. Just please. Please, dude. That's so weird. Don't do that. See, there are layers. Be, be conscious of the fact that there are layers of circles. Am I talking to somebody? There's a closed circle, and there's a wider circle, and there's a wider circle. There are people that you can play golf with, and you can have coffee with. Am I talking to somebody? But be careful who you talk about your life and your wife with. You can't talk about... The, the things that you talk about in the inner circle with people that are in your outer circle. Because they don't share the same vision. They don't follow the same God. They don't, they're not equally yoked enough. Be discernful. Like, like have discernment. I don't even know that that's a word. Have discernment in your heart when you approach people and allow people to come into your life. Why? Because the verse number 12, the Bible talks about this and says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love for many will grow cold the reason why we get distant the reason why we many people leave church many people don't want to be around Christians anymore is because their love has grown cold because there were things that happened before the love grew cold you remember that trajectory that I took you through word by word all of those are important 
Because, you know, asking for forgiveness is not cool anymore, right? That's like a forgotten trait. It's simple. Christians, it's simple. If you messed up, ask for forgiveness. Husbands, if you messed up, say, I'm sorry. Wives, if you messed up, I know it's hard. Say sorry. Here's the thing. More importantly than you just saying sorry to one another, let your children watch you say sorry to one another. There are so many children that are products of unforgiveness and that find it so hard for them to say those five words, five letters. Why? Because they have not seen it around the house. And they think it's okay and normal. Make it normal for you to say sorry, to talk to each other during the week. Come on, somebody. But then the other extreme. The, the, the second reason as to why, why, why many of us, are, our loves grow cold is because we've idolized apology for some reason. If they apologize to me, we're good. They have to apologize to me. Here's the thing. Apologies are necessary only for relationships to continue. Okay, I want you to be very clear in this. The first point that I left with you, because asking forgiveness is not cool anymore, that asking forgiveness is important when relationships are on the line. Because there are some people that God never intended for you to be in relationship with. Never intended for you to be in relationship with. And some of us are wasting our time waiting for apologies for people that are not meant to be in your life. See, Jesus said, forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what, what they're doing. That's what Jesus said, right? Remember that? Jesus said, Lord, they did this to me and this to me and this to me. And, and he said, they don't know what they do. There are a lot of people that will walk into your life and they will do stuff to you because they do not know what they do. But God has given you the innate ability to stand in the middle of that affliction, identify them as people that were meant to be there to inflict that season of pain and say, God, they don't know. But my job is to say, Say, I forgive them. I, my job is to get over it. My job is to climb over that barrier and go into the next level. Because here's the thing. You have something inside of you that only Christ can give you that they can't. Many of us are waiting on a person to do something that, that, that man, something for us that they can never give us. Some of us are living in that, that unforgiveness. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 and 27, worship team, would you come on real quick? Says this, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. I'm reading from the message translation. It's beautiful. It says, go ahead and be angry. How many of y'all know, Christians, come on. How many of y'all know angry is okay? Being angry is okay. It's fine. But do well, you do well to be angry, but you don't use your anger as fuel for revenge and don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil the kind of foothold in your life. See, Paul does not describe the enemy that is, he doesn't use the word Satan there. He uses the word devil. Or in Greek, diabolos, that's the word used. The slanderer, the gossiper, the accuser, that's the word used over there by Paul. Here's the thing, when, we, when our life is fueled by anger, we open the door to diabolos, okay? The slanderer, the gossiper, the accuser. 
That's who we allow our ear to be exposed to. We don't open our heart to the demonic, the, the, the demonic or the slander or gossiper if, if we don't give a foothold to the enemy. But a lot of us are exposed to that and we let our lives be exposed to that because we willfully surrender our thoughts. I'm going to the extreme of saying offense distracts you from God. You know, the top reason why people leave church is because they were offended. They were offended. But here's the truth. Offense is unavoidable. We can stop offending people, but we can't stop being offended. You know, in Psalm 119 verses 165, the, word, the Bible says this, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. Those who love the word, those who love God, nothing. You don't have the capacity to be offended is what the Bible says. You're way too much filled with love that offense has no foothold in your life. How many of us allow the word to be so influential in our life that nothing outside of that has the ability to get in? I remember when I was deeply wounded by a friend of mine. Both of us did something really bad. Both of us did something really stupid, really terrible. But to save face, he put the entire blame on me. All right, I know a lot of you are like, what? Tell us, what was it? But I was bitter. I was angry. I was really, really upset. And I'll tell you something very honestly. Bring the pe preacher that I was, bring the pastor that I was, I walked around with un unforgiveness for more than 10 years. Offenses can wound people. But you know, the Bible has an answer for how you deal with offense. Are you ready for it? Ready for this? I'm going to leave you with this, okay? Worship team, serenade us, okay? Just, just kind of set us going exercise your will how to deal with offense exercise your will let me say this real quick uh, it was a few years ago I love playing cricket uh, a few years ago actually uh, playing cricket one day and I just took the ball up and I was throwing it back and man I blew my arm literally blew my arm couldn't play my, my arm was like literally numb and there was this there's this physical therapist on our team. He comes running to me and he's like trying to move my arm around. And, and I'm like, man, it hurts. I just can't move it anymore. And, and he looks at me and he says, man, you have to exercise more. You have to be in shape. I'm like, what a jerk. Like in this moment of pain, this is like the best thing you could tell me. Like how many of you have been, ever been there? You're like, you've been beat. Like you've been, you're hurt. And somebody looks at you, I told you not to do that. He's right though, right? People are not, that are not in shape are most susceptible to injury. Makes sense, right? Paul makes that statement in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16 and he says, and herein, listen carefully, I exercise myself to, always, to have always a conscience free from offense towards God and towards people. Oh, come on. He says, I exercise my mind. I, it's a willful activity of exercise. Come on, somebody. If you're gluttonous throughout and you go and suddenly are put in a situation 
where you have to be of, you know, use your, your physical abilities and you stress yourself too much and something gets broken, you have an exercise to build up to that moment. So many of us are brought to moments of trauma and brought to moments of offense, but we haven't trained our minds throughout that process to be able to equip that moment of offense. So what is meant to be a moment becomes a monument. But Paul says, I, sorry, in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16, it says, I, I exercise myself to have always a conscience free from offense towards God and towards men. How do I exercise, Lord? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Pray for those who abuse you. I asked, Janice, I asked God, God, how do you want me to forgive that dude? He did me bad. He did me wrong. Simple. Open your word. And the word says, pray for those who abuse you. See, here's the problem though. I didn't want to see him blessed. It was really difficult. I don't, and that's God's honest truth. I, I wanted everything but blessing in his life. And I was like, okay, Lord, bless him. Didn't really mean it. Lord, bless him. Mm, fine. But really, I didn't want God to bless him. No healing. No healing. And then I said, you know what? It's going to take more than this. In Psalms 34, 13, and 14, how do you exercise? It's, it says, but as for me, when they were sick, I humbled myself with fasting as though he were my friend or brother. He said, I submitted myself, I humbled myself to fasting and prayer. Sometimes dealing with offense is you and I saying, God, you know what? I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to fast. I'm going to ask God to bring change me so that he can change my situation. Would you stand up to your feet with me, church? I'm going to pray and close. Come up, worship team, and they're just going to lead us in a few moments of worship. And we ended us, we're ending service a little early today because we want to take a moment today after service to just acknowledge some people and pray for some people. But but I want to, I, I told the worship team earlier this week, I said, just be prepared for this moment. I told them that we may not do a last song for the sake of time, but we just have to be ready at any time to allow God to do what he does. And the Holy Spirit telling me not to end when I want it to end. So we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to move. Is that okay with, with us? And, but I believe in my heart that God wants us to have a place of healing in this place. There's, there are people that are probably wounded. There are marriages here that are probably wounded and hurting because of something that was said, something that was done. My God is hitting the reset button today. My God is giving you the reset button in your hands to hit and saying, you have control. Don't make a moment a monument. Don't make a moment a monument. Would you allow God to heal you? Would you allow God to minister to you? Would you allow God to do what only He can do? total surrender. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a few moments of worship. Can we reflect on what God told us? There are some of us need to exercise. Some of us need to make a willful decision to exercise our emotions, exercise our thoughts, exercise the things that we are asked to do. And as we do that today, can we ask God to do what he has to do in our lives? Hey, I'm going to be available for prayer at the back if there's anybody that needs prayer today. 
please come to the back and let's pray for just a few minutes and then we're going to close out in prayer. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.